Hello, everyone. Welcome to Rash's World. Today, we have a special guest, Lisa McCord. Uh, welcome to Rash's World. Thank you. Wonderful so good to, to have you. Wonderful to have you here. Now, one of the first questions I asked is, um, how would you briefly describe yourself? What would you say about yourself? Oh, how fun. Usually, it's like someone reads a little bit from a bio. I am a former sad person, an insatiable seeker and learner. I'm a damn skillful and effective teacher of spiritual principles that have the potential to upturn people's lives. One of my joy schoolers called me a curator, and I love that term. I'm a curator of spiritual and psychological wisdom. That's truly how it, it feels. My superpower is that I'm able to digest and assimilate very complex, powerful principles into completely doable, actionable steps for people who are drawn to, to want to just create more joy in their lives. I've written books that have sold over 9 million copies. I have an online joy school and I'm a homebody with an incredible husband and two amazing daughters, one of whom is transgender, which has led me to do quite a bit of work in the LGBTQ community as well. Okay, that's a wonderful introduction. Wow, a lot of things. Um, but we're going to talk about here uh, mainly in the podcast. It's going to be your book called Free Your Joy, The 12 Keys to Sustainable Happiness. And so uh, I like the term of freeing your joy. It's, it's something maybe that might be innate, but you're also talking about joy in terms of a skill and a habit. Uh, let's tap into that. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, the, one of the, the foundational pillars of Joy School is this really widespread ancient spiritual understanding that we are joy at our core, our essence, the, the part of us that is, I, I use the terminology vertical self and horizontal self. I learned that from Eckhart Tolle decades ago. He doesn't use those terms anymore, but I have kept them alive in my joy school. We all are a horizontal self, a person walking around out there with our name and our body and our gender and our roles in this time and place and our beliefs and our mind stuff. And that's our horizontal self. And we all also are a vertical self. We all have a soul, right? Every every person, everybody, you know, there are a few corpses lying around the planet that don't have a soul in them anymore. But for the rest of us, we've all got one. We've just been so conditioned and trained away from paying any attention to it. But that's where we are, joy and love and bliss and, and compassion for self and others naturally. So joy school, the whole kind of jam in incremental ways again and again is bringing into the forefront of our experience, the part of us that is the vertical self. Well, we're just kind of bringing the horizontal self a little bit more into the background. We're not going to ever get rid of it. We don't even want to. We just want to reposition a little bit so that the joy that we naturally are has a chance to take center stage in our lives. Yeah, I love that. I mean, it's it's often we get too like kind of caught up in the horizontal way of things and way of thinking. And that's when we get stuck. And that's where we fail to see the joy and happiness or even feel gratitude for what we have. So it's it's a way of also uh, changing a bit of our perspective about things and of seeing things a bit differently on a different light instead of seeing everything through like dark lenses. And I, I've compared here wearing shades like sunglasses and uh, well, you can take them off in many ways. So it's some of it is within our control or a lot of it is within our control. And we often don't realize that. Oh, yeah, absolutely. We we talk a lot. I, I use a lot of different teachers in Joy School and uh, Joe Dispenza's work we reference a lot. And he says that there are 400 billion bits of information around us to be processed at any given moment, right? And our tiny little human brains have only evolved to digest coherently about 50 bits of information out of the 400 billion available bits. 
So what determines what we let through into our awareness, what basically we choose to constitute our, our reality, what determines that is exactly as you were expressing, it's all about our perception filter. We have these blinders that we've yeah. just like created since since we were since we got here, right? We start creating these beliefs about our place in the world and other people and what love is and what power is and what money is. And these beliefs create this this blinder system that makes us all see reality through a keyhole, right? And none of our keyholes are lined up the same. And some of the biggest teachers I find in terms of joy are our kids because they mm -hmm. uh, it, it, it flows naturally to through them. They have this playtime, they have this imagination, they have these dreams. And for them, joy comes naturally unless, again, parents force upon them serious matters or you know making them work and making them not feel the joy but they do have uh, access to it much more than adults do. And wh what happens? What do we lose in the process of growing up? Yeah, guess what? Every one of us was that, right? That's yeah. how we got here. That's how we arrived. I think that, you know, is it all parents' fault? Sure, yes, of course it is. But we try not to to blame parents because truly it's just where, where we've evolved as a species. Parents, I think for the most part, are doing the best that they can with what they're equipped with. And we pass on these crappy, we call them bucket beliefs in joy school because it's like a bucket that we add to throughout our whole experience. And, and they're just trying to keep their kids safe. They, they're doing what they feel is going to do their kids a favor by teaching them that it's a tough world out there and you got to fight for what's yours. And, you know, all these, these crazy scarcity beliefs and, and misperceptions that are really vestiges of our primitive caveman days. We haven't evolved enough past that for our brains to have come in to, to catch up with where we are experientially as a species. So we're still programmed for propagation of the species, which meant competing over resources and desirable mates and making sure we hoard away our, our you know, berries that we were able to gather. We still have all that programming running us on an unconscious level when we've actually circumstantially evolved so far beyond that, that it's not valid concerns anymore. It, it's just uh, like a a pattern like default thinking pattern and, and one of the things with one specifically happiness and joy i i found myself too is we often look outside of ourselves for joy it's like if i get this i'll be happy if i buy this phone if i buy this car this house but it doesn't work that way and so what it is is actually internal so once we change the internal then outside everything is joyful even if you don't have much you can still enjoy what you have and what you got all an inside job. So well spoken. Yes. We we say in Joy School that our internal landscape is creating our external landscape 100% of the time. So yes, I think the, the more typical way that we approach life is I'm feeling unhappy. Let me look out there and see why, oh, that's not to my liking. Let me put all my effort and energy and attention into changing that so that I can feel good in here. When, when we learn the tools to elevate what we've got going on in here, it's always the energetic signature that we're sending out that's creating all of that anyway. We change it up in here, we send out a different vibratory frequency, everything out there changes naturally. And I love it. And when we have a goal, we are, we're motivated to, to work towards and we feel joy because we're, we're like kind of like chipping away and trying to get there. But then once it happens, like whatever that goal is, whether it's a job or even a relationship, anything, 
after a while it kind of deflates you're like well that was it that was all and there's a the moment of like disappointment i would even say is that not true i'm gonna pull that apart a little bit mm -hmm. one of the things I, I love to teach in joy school is how to want because most of us are, are wanting ineffectively and there are different kinds of desires we, we call mm -hmm. it a run a run to or a run from Mm -hmm. And since we are programmed with this scarcity mentality, we're programmed with a lot of fear that is not warranted. Very often the things that we look out there and say, I want that, the things we identify as our desires are really about compensating for these feelings of I'm not good enough, compensating for feelings of lack. And so whenever we we try to manifest from a lower vibe frequency like that from a, a run from positioning we might effort and struggle and make it happen but it's not going to address the core issue it's not going to heal the core wound so like you're expressing it's just going to be a matter of time before the bloom falls off the rose usually pretty quickly and we're looking for the next thing to try to get us at that fix of our feeling when we are manifesting from a run too, it's usually a different kind of scenario. It's a feeling of, oh, I want that because it lights me up. I want that because, oh, my whole body tingles when I think about having that career path or having that partnership or whatever. Those kind of desires, when we manifest from a run to positioning, a lot of times it will be a sustainable factor in our joy and our happiness for a, a considerable amount of time until maybe we've just shifted enough in our own evolution that we're looking for that that next next thing to complement our internal reality with something else on the external. Yeah, I love that. That's definitely true. It's like, and you said, talk about knowing yourself, know thyself. And that that is important because we delude ourselves and the things we're often looking for are again, compensation or things that we're told to be looking for, but that's not what we really want inside of us. So how can we know ourselves? And that's like, in, you know, we have it in Greek philosophy, know thyself. And that is the, the self-discovery of connecting with yourself. So what do you recommend to getting in touch with that? Yeah, definitely know thyself. A, a, a piece of that is coming into ever more consistent recognition of that vertical aspect of you because we, we tend to ignore it. So there are different uh, practices and habits we can put into place for just recognizing, acknowledging that it's there and that naturally is going to lead us to a lot more joy. That's one way to know thyself. A practice that we do just from the get-go at Joy School is becoming the observer. So that's just about instead of identifying fully with our thoughts, like most of us are, are have been trained to do, like my thoughts are me, I'm having this thought, so I am this, noticing our thoughts, becoming the the person, the, the entity that sees what's going on here, being able to say, oh, wow, I'm really triggered by that. Oh, look, I feel that that tightening in my gut that usually happens. I feel my head clouding over with confusion when I'm triggered like this. Yeah, this is really triggering to me. And observing all of that allows us to eventually get to the place where we can say, well, who's doing the observing? And who's doing the observing is the vertical self observing the horizontal self. And that's really the, the clearest, most true way to know yourself is to know yourself as the entity that's able to observe what's going on in our silly little human life dramas that we're all playing out and, and observe it from that compassionate, loving witness place where we can 
just be so much more effective in bringing about the outcomes that we desire and, and steering ourselves in nourishing ways that are going to advance our lives. Would that be looking at the bigger picture of things, of like not being like stuck in this moment or this situation, but like just the grander view of it. And I, I'm seeing that because in many cases we judge good and bad and the thinking takes control. And it's like, oh, this is horrible. This is bad. But I've seen often that the bad turns into good because it gives me, uh, it teaches me things. It uh, I've learned more from my enemies than from my friends, which is kind of a bit surprising, but, and I'm so grateful for that. So it's like when we see opposition or obstacles, we have to embrace them and not see it as something like we're getting stuck or it's blocking us. It's actually pushing us forward. Is that correct? Oh my gosh, that's life mastery right there. When we're really to that point where we can observe and, and be grateful when something's triggering us because it's always a chance to learn something about ourselves. And often it's a chance to learn where we've stored some energies. We all have um, times in our past where we just weren't emotionally equipped to deal with the, the level of feeling that we were experiencing, whether it's a, a fear, a trauma, all of us have trauma, even if we don't have the big, big, big traumas that we all associate with that word, all of us have some traumas where we've stored away these energies. And when you get to the point where you recognize anything happening out there is just bumping against that stored pocket so that I can invite myself to feel it with all the compassion and love for myself and tenderness that it required at the time. And then it can release. And then we don't have so many things bumping against us out there. Yeah. And we often see ourselves as uh, victims too, where you say, why me? Or why this now? But I, I've, I've learned to change that a bit and saying like, okay, well, this is not ideal. Sure. Uh, this is interesting. Now, what am I going to do about that? And when you feel that empowered that Yes, I actually can uh, respond to this in my own way, my unique way of things. It actually does not feel like an obstacle anymore. It's like, okay, it's a hurdle, sure, but I can I can manage it in, in different ways. It's not overwhelming. Uh, so I think that's important to, to, to acknowledge that and not getting stuck or intimidated or just like afraid of, of those obstacles. I love your, your uh, use of words. This is interesting. Yeah, it really is. Everything that happens to us is interesting when we can have that that slight detachment from being caught up in the, the story and the drama of it. Uh, Rupert Spira is one of my favorite thought leaders and he talks about like sitting on a couch watching a TV screen. And if the TV screen is off, you're just sitting there looking at a screen. But if it's on, you're sucked into the story of what's on, you know, folding out on the screen. It's the same with our lives. When we get really cognizant that we're just kind of, we're, we're watching a movie that that our soul created and directed for us because everything out there is happening because we created it somehow. So to, to be able to sort of make this kind of TV one that where you can turn down the volume and maybe there's a button where you can blur the images out a little bit and maybe you can rewind and rewatch, you know, that just helps the the thing unfolding there to go from a high intensity drama to more of a documentary where you can actually say, oh, I know I'm watching this movie because my soul made and directed this movie for me. I need to see what is the message for me because I know it was a gift. My soul was giving me a gift. What is the gift for me to unwrap here? I, I love that. I, mean, I love movies too. And I think like, yes, we are the director, we're the screenwriter and we are the actors. And sometimes we're in conflict. So we have to kind of deal with those situations and the actors do not want to follow the instructions of the director and so on. But that is it. That's like seeing it as, as, as play. 
you know, as, as something that we can experiment with, try out and so on, instead of, again, getting bogged down by like seriousness or like even sadness, because I think there's a way of seeing things again in a different light. But you also mentioned that uh, earlier at the, uh, for your introduction, like that there was sadness. And I think that is important too, to acknowledge that there is sadness. And uh, that is again, the learning experience because without sadness, you can't have joy and happiness either. So we need both. Oh, absolutely. It's, we, we say that a pendulum can only swing one direction to the extent that it swings the other. And so many of us are afraid of our, our, hurt feelings, our grief feelings, our angry feelings, that we just keep our pendulum swinging in these tiny little pathetic arcs, when if we could just embrace them and go into all that juicy, real, legitimate human emotion, and let it be okay and have compassion for ourselves and, and feel through it and let it breathe and release, that lets the pendulum swing over to the other side to that incredibly rich, joyful place where we're just finding awe in everything and bliss in the tiniest moments of our lives. And, and, and this kind of wisdom and this kind of knowledge and so on comes with not only effort, but also time. It takes a lot of time and effort combined to get there. I mean, uh, I, I've, I've, uh, I've had a previous person who, who said uh, it's, it's simple. Healing is simple, but not easy. And I, I fully agree with that because the solution is, is actually very, very simple, but it's hard to get there. And the, the, the hardships, hardships, the suffering is necessary. And I like how, how you're mentioning that uh, it's the feeling that we go against it that's causing more of the suffering, whereas feelings are there to help us. They're not the enemies. They're here to, to heal us, but we don't heat them often, or we are too controlled by the mind, the thinking, the uh, horizontal self, as you're saying, instead of looking at the bigger picture, instead of letting things evolve, instead of accepting those feelings, letting them out. Right. And I think that is creating a lot of suffering that is in many ways within our control of how we react to the suffering. I mean, the suffering is there. We can't avoid it. And um, again, there's not saying this. Everything is perfect. No. But how we respond to it, that is really important here. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, I love the way you expressed that. We're all going to have curveballs. We're all going to have life throw stuff at us. What we do with our feelings around it determines really, I feel like suffering is not necessary. I think the our definition of joy is that it's the freedom to feel everything you're feeling and to know that it's okay and to, to love yourself there and hold yourself there. And we can have an undercurrent of joy in grief. We can have an undercurrent of joy in anger. There's a, a rightness and a release in those feelings when we don't judge them or make them wrong or try to suppress them, deny them and run away from them. When we just say, this is what I'm feeling now and we're okay with that. That's what it means to be vibrantly alive. That's what just allows what we're here to, to experience to have free reign with us. And, and it is simple. And I always say that the with this new book I have coming out for your joy, it's all there. I hold nothing back. This is like everything that we do in joy school. Here it is. If you have this like DIY mentality and you just want to go knock out joy, here you go. It's a, a year's worth of every week. Here's what you do. Go do it. But I think that a lot of people will find 
it's much more effective and easier with a loving community, with the support of others. So, you know, I encourage it for a book club book, like do it with your family, do it with your friends or come to Joy School and let us support you in it. Because yeah, it's, it's simple. It's simple, but it's not easy only because we've been so conditioned opposite to most of these thought processes and, and, and principles. So it's really about breaking longstanding habits. Are habits easy to break? No, not usually, but are they breakable? Yes, people do it all the time. The world is full of people who have overcome addiction and overcome really, really strong ingrained habits. So it is doable for every person. It's just a matter of committing to some new ways to approach life. And seeing the principles is one thing. They're not hard to understand. Taking them into the nitty gritty of your day to day that can prove challenging. So, so that's again, where support is a, a really big boon to the effectiveness of the practice. Because in a way we know what we need to do. We know what would make us happy, but we still don't engage in it. And there's that, there's that kind of like the hesitation or maybe the lack of belief or lack of faith or, 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 or a combination of all of those things where we don't move forward and we, we feel stuck or we, we see ourselves in the comfort zone. But I, I feel a lot of people that they, even like friends that, that I talk to, they're functioning on uh, autopilot. It's like survival mode. It's like, yeah, I'm getting by. My, my job is okay. My relationship is fine. It's not terrible and so on. But that's not how we should live. I mean, we're here to, again, joy, to experience joy, to thrive, to to be happy and to to really become more ourselves. And I, I love the, the, again, horizontal and vertical self. And I think one of the other issues, just to add in here another thought, is that the horizontal self is trying to be in control of something, of a power that's actually bigger and stronger and better, actually, more encompassing than, than the, the, the horizontal one. And that's when we try to control outcomes. But then because of that conflict, we feel suffering because we are not fully in control of those things that are coming to us and that are necessary for us to experience in order to 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 live our lives sure because if we have that belief that things out here in my external world have to line up just so in order for me to be happy then yeah our whole existence is going to be about trying to control the uncontrollable which is yes. completely backwards and, yeah. and like you said, that's never going to lead to joy and i love the way you talked about the comfort zone i've always had had such a, a funny little uh, reaction to that term because for most of us the comfort zone is not a really comfortable place. It's not right. comfortable. It just feels like it's scarier to go out of it. But once you push over that hump, it's way more comfortable on the other side of your comfort zone. Life is a lot better over there. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And we delude ourselves though. And that's, I think, honesty becomes very important of like seeing things as they really are. So I, I used to consider myself happy, but I don't think I was. And now when I look back, I know I wasn't because now I'm seeing it from a different point of view. So I would actually say, like, when you say you're mildly happy, you're probably mildly depressed. And so, but you don't have to be there. There's no need for you to, to continue that way. But it takes courage. It takes that honesty and courage to step out of that comfort zone. Because it's, again, as you're saying, we're, we're kind of ingrained with that. There's danger. There's threat. I might risk something. I might lose my job. I might lose my partner if I'm fully honest with them and so on. But those are fears that are conditioned in many ways and do not reflect with reality in many cases. 
Yeah. Our, our manifestations can never outrun our deep down belief about our own deservingness and what we're worthy of. And that's where identification with our soul selves really comes into play is that we, most of us been conditioned to thoughts of unworthiness to some degree. So whatever we're creating out there, whatever, you know, you look around your life and take credit for all the awesome stuff that, you, you know, everybody's created. We've all created some awesome stuff. It's all a perfect reflection of what you deep down believe you deserve and what you're worthy of because if you had a sincere genuine belief that you deserved more joy more abundance more love whatever it is it would be there because we're always creating what we deep down believe that's the signature that we're sending out so part of the work is just in incrementally bit by bit step by step upping you know expanding that deservingness valve so that more and more of the good stuff can come in Mm -hmm. And when, when it comes to manifestation and that, I, I find that very fascinating. And uh, uh, it's something that I practice and it has happened. And it's like, uh, it's very scary because it's exactly what you wanted and you get it. And you say, how did that happen? But the thing is, like, there, there's the attitude that is important that, like, yes, I do believe in it. I am worthy of it. I, I, I am grateful that it will come to me. And already with that, that, that kind of positive attitude. But then also putting in the effort, I'm going to try my best. But then once it's like a true heart, heartfelt desire, it does become true. And it's like fascinating because uh, that's a, the secret that uh, I've seen like uh, a long time ago, the documentary. It's like, well, this is this is nonsense. But then I was like, but I'm going to be open to it. I just try it out. You just try it out. With it. And it did happen. So it's 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 very scary, but it's it's very, very true at the same time. I love that you talk about how scary it is with this big smile on your face. It's, yeah. like, it's, it's, it's like spooky because we don't understand how it actually yeah. works, right? But yeah. but it is true. I mean, so many people will you know tell you all the the stories of manifestation. I'm sure you have your own, and and it it's just about authentically shifting our our deservingness because it's easy to say an affirmation. I deserve to have ten thousand additional dollars in the bank one month from now. And then, you know, like wait for it to happen. No, you, you yeah. can't just pay lip service. It's it's really a practice of some genuine inner work to to make that feel true and real and authentic for you in ever increasing ways. Mm -hmm. And one of the other things, though, one of the uh, the fears we have is, is is death. And that's something that we always carry with us, whether we're aware of it or not, whether we deny it or not. It's there. I mean, it's it's something we have to deal with. And some people say they deal with it, but I don't think they are fully accepting it. But once you do, and once you again, you fully believe that there is a vertical uh, being and soul and that we have a soul that will live on, then it's not as scary anymore because we know that loved ones we've lost, it's painful, we miss them, of course, that's like true. But we know that they're in a different place and they are with us. So we don't lose them. It's not that they vanish. And uh, I remember the, the passing of my dad. And the, so last time words I said to him, it's like, uh, come and visit. And he said, OK, I will. And I don't think he fully believed it. But then he, a few days after that, he appeared in my dream. I was like, well, what do you want to talk about? Here I am. So it's like, and, and that could be with people are skeptical and cynical it's like yeah you're just imagining it it's like but the feeling is real and i know that it was him and i know that i was communicating with him and once you see that then you say well what why are we so afraid of it and why don't we let people if they have to move on they have to move on to 
to an extent, you know, that's that's what life is. It's like, you know, again, an entry to another place. Once you you fully believe and embrace that, then what is there to fear, really? You know, and it's it's like such a non-negotiable, right? We're going to die. Right. People we love are going to die. We know this. And yeah. I, I'm completely of your mind that we they don't go anywhere. I communicate with my grandmother and mother all the time, daily. And it's such a... Com- you know, comfort and, and joy in my life. And I've had friends who said like, oh, I wish I could believe like you do, you know? And it's like, our beliefs are our choice. Yeah. Like yeah. you're, if you wish you could believe like I do believe. I mean, it's not gonna happen until you believe, but yeah. if you do, if you're genuinely in that place of belief, you open the portal to so much more than than most people are walking around experiencing. So it really is a choice that we can make. But I think people want evidence, but the evidence is out there. I mean, it's, it's, yeah. it is out there. And once you see like these things, and I have like tons of stories, things that happen and so on, where I say, okay, you know what? I've seen enough signs now. I, I do believe it because that is the evidence here. And not, not seeing it with a very like limited uh, mind frame or like, you know, way of thinking. And so really like, and I, I like what you mentioned, upgrading our thought patterns and really like, looking at it and stepping uh, going higher than we usually do than our modus operandi and just like stepping out of that that zone of comfort again within our minds and embracing a world that is much much bigger and if we look and we have scientific evidence of how big the cosmos is it's it's, it's infinite and the stars we see are other galaxies and so on so how can this tiny being decide what exists and doesn't exist? You know, this like tiny little person somewhere saying, I don't believe. How can you even say that in a way? I find that astonishing. That's so funny. I always say the same thing. Yes, what the the hubris, the the ridiculous yeah, exactly. thinking that, yeah. that we know all of these mysteries yeah. of the universe. We should revel in the fact that we don't know them. That's what makes life so interesting and exciting and changing, you know, our, our thoughts and ideas and beliefs according to who we've had a conversation with last or what insights we've had or experiences we've had. That's that's part of the fun of being here is that we humans aren't supposed to know these mysteries. Let's just embrace that. But we know a lot. And I, I like how you said, like tapping yourself on the shoulders, like, good job. We've we've gotten a lot of knowledge. But there's so much that we still can discover. And just kind of that idea that we have all the answers at our disposal right now, that is the hubris. And we carry it throughout time. All Every generation thought they had all the answers. Every time period thought they had it. Enlightenment. I mean, what, what kind of term is that? It's like, we know everything. Uh, no, you don't, right? And But we still we're doing the same thing and we see it play out in different uh, spheres and realms and religion and politics and so on. And I think like, no, it's like, you don't have all the answers and that's fine. It's okay. It's okay not to have the answer. Just have fun, have fun with it. Right. I think that's, that's more important than having an answer or being right or wrong. Yeah, absolutely. And we all are so conditioned to want to think that we have it right, right? Like when you were in school, if you got the right answer, you get gold stars and praise and all the respect. And if you get the wrong answer enough times, you get shame and ridicule and you're the dunce of the class. So we get so wedded to our positions, right? If I've stated that I believe this politically or culturally or whatever, then 
all of our effort and energy goes into showing up. Like I, I picked the right thing to believe. I, I got it right. I got it right because nobody wants to get it wrong. And we'd all be so much happier and more joyful and harmonious if we were just open to maybe I'm wrong. Let's see if I could be wrong. Show me, show me what you think about this because none of us are hundred percent right or hundred percent wrong on anything. It's in a universe as vast as ours with 400 billion bits of information available in every moment. And none of us seeing the same bits because our keyholes are all looking at different bits of information. None of us is 100% right or wrong on anything. We should just enjoy that and play in that. Yeah, yeah, wonderful. So what, what are some other keys that to wrap up here that you would like to share with us? So we have 12 keys. I think I, I from the ones I know thyself, we talked about that, understanding joy's obstacles, feeling to heal. What are some others you'd like to share here with, uh, with our audience here? Yeah, feel to heal is a big one. That's an ongoing practice of, of you know, like we talked about finding those pockets where we've stored and suppressed these these emotions and, mm -hmm. and having the, the compassion to feel them. And then questioning, like we were just already addressing is, is a big one. Trying to see beyond that filter of beliefs because that's that's a powerful blinder for most of us we we get these ideas early 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 on in our programming and then our keyholes lined up to only find evidence for those things so it's important to to find ways to expand that keyhole to let in new evidence new new information and also that, curiosity i think that is important curiosity because that again kids have that and that's something that we need to reawaken because of like, not I know all the answers, but I'm curious about this and I want to explore it more. I think that attitude would help a lot too. Yeah, yeah for sure. And and keeping in mind that recognition of the, the soul self, the vertical self allows us to then, once we really realize that every thought that crosses our mind has the potential to be bullcrap, right? Has the potential to have like no merit whatsoever. We get a little less clingy on our thoughts and we start questioning everything and that opens the the way for a new way to know things and that's where intuition comes in and that's one of the later keys where we really learn to be discerning about that messaging because we all have a voice of the horizontal self which is the loud overpowering one that we're conditioned to identify with but when we can get that a little bit quiet it gives a chance for the the voice of our inner knowing, our vertical self, to come come forward, and that's when we start approaching life from a really highly intuitive place that always feels nurturing, always is the kind of guidance that it doesn't. It's not the Pollyanna voice. It doesn't always make for a smooth next step. Sometimes that's it's telling yes. us to take a more challenging direction or do something that is potentially a little more scary. But we can really get clear. I, I feel this this messaging, this impulse is coming from my highest knowing as opposed to this is coming from my conditioned fearful thinking. Mm -hmm. And that's a beautiful place to, to proceed mm -hmm. from. And I love how you mentioned intuition because that has been like sometimes not the most logical answers and sometimes like seemed like the craziest answers that I had in my life. But when I've heeded it, it was actually the best one. And so I, I encourage everyone to, to, to look for that. And I think part of our problem, and I'm very much interested in philosophy, is because our thinking is, I think, therefore I am, Descartes. And we are tying our existence to our thinking. And that is also when we say, do you believe in God or not? As if, like, if I don't believe it, then it doesn't exist, right? I mean, there's an independent existence that might exist without me believing in 
it, him, uh, whatever we have them, then not. So it's that kind of hubris again. It's like, I decide whether something exists or does not exist. I, I decide whether I exist or don't exist. So I think that's that's something that we need to um, we need to change a bit. <laughs> oh, for sure. And I mean, when you really tap into the energetic truth that we're creating every bit of our lives with our thoughts, with our beliefs, why why ever choose thoughts and beliefs that don't feel good? Why ever choose mm. to go down the path that's just going to create more of what doesn't feel good for us? We we really are that that masterful once we get just practiced at, at looking at our thoughts and does this thought elevate my vibration my energy or does it bring it down do i feel expansive with this or do i feel a contraction and just following the the expansiveness following what we, what we begin to discern as the the higher guidance <laughs> the difference yeah and, and not being afraid of that and not like seeing the obstacles but seeing the going past it and not not being afraid of fear I think that's another thing because we often have. And it's like, again, it's uncomfortable sometimes. And I, I feel like what I don't like about positive psychology, when it's like focusing too much on the positive, that everything needs to be, I need to be happy. I must be happy. And it's like, uh, it doesn't work that way. I mean, it's, it's, you're, you're too tense to be happy. You need to relax more. You need to enjoy things more. And I think that's important too. And uh, not seeing again, as you're saying that the, the bad is something as an obstacle, but overcoming it or overcoming our own resistance towards it and uh, being okay with it. Yeah. I think that is the the problem with positive psychology and, uh, you know, positive, positive, positive psychology as a discipline, I think is, is taught um, in a, a really uh, honorable, respectful way, but I think it's got watered down to a lot of what you're saying, which is about covering over our less comfortable emotions. And that will never work. That actually creates more of the problem. So it, yeah, it's great when you can live from a positive thinking place, but it's got to be authentic. And that requires a little bit of excavation and a little bit of work and a little bit of shifting our relationship to our authentic. Feelings. And certain uncomfortable truths about ourselves. But that's the thing, because once you you realize that, now you can do something about it. You're, you're not stuck with it. And uh, we're not we're not angels, even though we often think we are, but we're not. But but that's okay too, because we can ascend towards that again if we we change some of our habits, our lifestyles, and a way of thinking and feeling as well. I think that could uh, definitely happen. Uh, what a joy and talking to you! Yeah, sorry. Didn't I was going to say, and and that can really only come from a elevated position of self love and self compassion. Yeah. Self love is one of those cliche words that everybody thinks they understand, and it's not about bubble baths and buying the shoes, y'all. It's about yeah. what you yeah. say That's to right. you in your mind all day long, and shifting that habit. That's what really allows our quirks to float. Our quirk wants to float. Mm -hmm. But again, to get there, I think we really need to look at our rules. We really need to look at what is it that's blocking me. And then once you, you release that, then it comes naturally. You don't even have to look for it. And I think that's the same with even things like, again, happiness, but even faith. It basically, it's it's already within you. It's, 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 it comes out that way. But you do have to work through the doubts, the fears, and so on. And that is something that, that I recommend everyone to do. Instead of shunning them, really embrace them and learn from them. But I love your perspective of not getting caught up in it, right? You, you are seeing it from the bigger picture, from a more like bird's eye view. And you realize how things do really fall into place, how everything is in harmony, even though we don't see it. And it doesn't seem that way. 
Yeah, it can be tough. There's a lot of stuff going on out there that we do not easily embrace and say, oh, this must be the way it's meant to be. That is a really hard sell on a lot of things. But again, I think that accepting something as this is what's meant to be happening because it's what's happening, Mm -hmm. that level of acceptance allows us to bring much more effectiveness to elevating the the issue and and bringing it to a higher place than our typical reactive patterns of oh this is horrible this shouldn't be happening you know that's not going to be effective you're not going to really be able to contribute to the solution from that vantage point and, and having faith and whatever that means to to that person to any person like having faith that things will work themselves out that things are happening for the better and then not falling into the doomsday way of thinking that we're we are doomed and all that i think there is ways that and we saw it with the pandemic which is a horrible suffering but we're coming out of it and we're coming out of it stronger more resilient and we are finding new ways of dealing with certain situations so it's not just all good and bad. It's really like a bit of both that we we get to see. And we focus too much on the negative, which is, again, our evolution, our evolutionary thinking. But that's how we survive, which is useful. Again, I, I appreciate it. But we shouldn't be dictated by that, controlled and conditioned by that, I think. And again, that's our primitive brain. That's our, our ancestors, right? If the, the tall grass is moving, it might just be the wind. It might be a predator. You needed to assume it's a predator and start running for your survival. So we still bring that that negativity bias to everything when most times it's really uh, fears are not warranted by the, the extent to which we fear things. Yeah. So yeah, it really is just taking cues from old outdated programming. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Well, enjoy talking to you. Thank you so much, uh, Lisa. Uh, your book is uh, Free Your Joy, The 12 Keys to Sustainable Happiness. Wonderful book. You're also the founder of Joy School, which you mentioned here. Again, that sounds wonderful as well. And uh, thank you so much for being on Arash's World. Arash, you are a fabulous interviewer. I have enjoyed this so much. I love your questions. They're so earnest and authentic. And I feel like we've had just like this beautiful dialogue. And I appreciate that so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much.